Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Ronna Weinberg. She's an award-winning author. And today we're talking about her newest book, Artifacts and Other Stories. Ronna is awesome at creating character and stories that you will just connect with. Oh, what an awesome talk. Lots to learn. Thanks for listening. And by the way, before you go, could you leave the podcast a five-star rating maybe and a really nice review? Hmm? Could you do that for me? That would be so cool. That's how we get noticed in podcast land. Thanks so much. You are awesome. Enjoy the show. It's the Education Podcast, your favorite show. With lots of groovy guests and they share what they know. So crank it up to 10 and let your neighbors know that here's another show with Dr. Steve Milletto. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Ah, ah, with Dr. Steve Milletto. Ronna Weinberg is an award-winning author of four books, including her newest one, Artifacts and Other Stories, a collection of short stories which is our focus today. Her latest book was long-listed for the uh, Shelf Unbound Best Indie Book Competition and was a finalist for the Eric Hoffer Book Award. Over the past three decades, her writings have received recognition that includes being a finalist for Breadloaf Writers Conference Fellowship, a finalist for Moment Magazine Short Fiction Contest, winner of New River Press Many Voices Project Literary Competition, finalist for the Willa Cather Prize in Fiction, and a prize winner in the Denver Women's Press Club Story Contest. She is the founding fiction editor of Bellevue Literary Review, where she served 21 years as its senior fiction editor and now is their contributing fiction editor. The publication is credited with publishing the early works of Celeste Ng, who went on to become a New York Times bestselling author. Weinberg has also served as the president of Tennessee Writers Alliance and was a member of the program committee for Southern Festival of Books. Weinberg was awarded a prestigious fellowship in fiction from the New York Foundation for the Arts, a residency from the Virginia Center for the Creative Arts, a residency from Ragdale Foundation, and a scholarship in fiction from the Breadloaf Writers Conference. Her work has appeared in numerous literary magazines, including Michigan Quarterly Review, Berkeley Fiction Review, Writers Forum, the South Dakota Review, American Way, Colorado Review, Jewish Women's Literary Annual, and Eureka Literary Magazine. Weinberg is a dynamic guest speaker and has presented at many conferences like the AWP Conference, Council of Literary Magazines and Presses, Pen and Brush Writing Conference, and many others. She taught a total of five years, including creative writing at University School of Nashville evening classes for adults and as an adjunct professor in English at New York University. Weinberg was a legal aid lawyer, public defender, and a lawyer in uh, private practice earlier in her career. She earned a JD from University of Denver College of Law and a BA with distinction from the University of Michigan. She has lived in Nashville and Denver and resides in New York City, for more information, please consult her website at www.ronaweinberg.com, and I'll have that information in the show notes. Rana, thanks for joining me today. Great to have you on the show, and say hi to everyone. Yeah, thank you, Stephen, for having me. I'm so happy to be here, and I want to say to hello to everyone out there and to thank them for listening. Well, I appreciate you being here, and uh, what a great book we're going to talk about that you've written. Um, but before we do that, i gotta, I got to talk about a couple of things. By the way, you've lived in different places across the country. You know, when you, when you look at it, the, they're not like just around the corner. You, That's you, right. I have. You go from one side to the, to the next. I love that. Yeah, because um, I was married at the time, and my husband was an academic. So we, so we moved because of his work. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, well, let's start by talking about this This from your bio. Weinberg was a legal aid lawyer, public defender, and a lawyer in private practice earlier in her career. Did you learn any lessons from this time in your life that have influenced your writing? 
Yes, I did. I, I learned many lessons. And one of the most important lessons was about human emotion and the range of adverse circumstances that people find themselves in and how people cope with this. I learned this in criminal court because I represented clients who were charged with crimes. And when I worked for Colorado Rural Legal Services, which is like legal aid, I used to drive to Eastern Colorado and I used to basically set up shop in a gymnasium in a high school because there weren't any lawyers in the area and people would come to me and we would talk about their legal problems. And a lot of the problems were family problems, domestic problems. Sometimes electricity was being cut off. So I, I learned about how people lived, how they cope and what circumstances do to emotions. Gotcha. I mean, I can imagine, I imagine I had a huge input because you would have been really dealing with a lot of emotions there. I can imagine. Yeah. A lot of emotions. The, uh, yeah. So what took you from that world and led you to becoming a writer? I mean, that's a, um, I mean, many want to write, but never get past the blank page. I mean, how'd you just get past the, just the desire to write? When I was a child, I wanted to be either an artist or a writer. And I used to create a newspaper, you know, at home and I would draw pictures. I would write articles about books that didn't exist. I would make them up and I would make up movies and and do reviews about them. So I always had that desire to to write and to draw. And um, then I went to a conference when I was in my 30s and I was writing poetry in college and I decided that law was very practical. I did want to be a writer, but law seemed a very practical course to take. I went to a conference in my 30s and the instructor said that my poems were like stories. And she suggested that I take a class at the University of Denver. I was living in Denver at the time. So I took some fiction classes there and I really loved it. And at a certain point, I decided that I wanted to try to see if I could become a writer, if I had it in me to become a writer. So it was really gradual and it was a decision that I made. That's awesome. Well, it was a good decision because <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know. I thought, well, maybe I didn't have it in me and I would just see what happened. But uh, Glad you decided to see what happens. That's cool. Hey, uh, <laughs> uh, so let's talk about your, your latest book. It's called Artifacts and Other Stories. And this is a unique format. And I know that some of your previous books have a similar sort of, have kind of a similar sort of format. I mean, you have, you know, basically what, What's going on there is you have penned 14 stories about people in their lives. I mean, what inspired you to write artifacts and other stories? Yes, the stories are fiction and they are about people in their lives. And, and the artifacts and other stories explores the joys and limitations of love and the coming together and breaking apart of relationships. So my goal was that the book would reflect the fluidity of our contemporary world because relationships are in flux. There's a prevalence of divorce. There are painful side effects of divorce. People are searching for love and they have the ability to choose and shape the next chapter of their lives. The story ideas, so that was my idea for the book. That was my theme. And the ideas come from many places. The ideas come from my imagination. I'm inspired by what I see in the world, what's happened to family and friends, and by my own experiences. I'm divorced after a long marriage, so I understand what it's like to have a relationship end and what happens next. Um, I also can hear a conversation or be involved in a conversation and someone may say something that sparks an idea for a story. So the ideas come from many different places. 
That's cool. Uh, this may sound silly, but how does it make you feel when someone shares a review like Anne Korkia Kivi? Um, she's the author of Shining Sea and An Unexpected Guest. And this is what she said. The people who inhabit Ronna Weinberg's exquisitely crafted stories may have loved and lost, but they still continue to love, to find new love, hope for new love, and respect the loves they have had. The point is not never to feel hurt. It is to feel in the first place an elegant read that will stay with me. What a cool review. Now, I've read lots of reviews of your work, but this one just really, it like the author said, it stays with me. I think it's a... What a cool thing. And having read your words and stuff like this, I understand what she's talking about. What, what's that make? How's that make you feel? Well, I, I was very surprised that she wrote that. I thought it was elegantly written. It's, it's beautiful. She's a wonderful and elegant writer. And I was honored and very grateful that the story spoke to her. And I learned from her what the book was really about. You know, I was so close to the stories. I, I, I had my own idea, but it was really interesting to me and educational to to understand that this is how she saw the stories and i really liked when she said that um the 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 quote about being hurt uh that um the point is to feel in the first place because i hope that the characters were feeling whether or not that they were hurt but they were able to access their emotions so that meant a lot to me that she felt the stories worked in that way that's so awesome. That's so cool. So that's, that's, that's neat. That, uh, I appreciate you sharing about that. You know, um, now th- I got to ask this because, I mean, what challenges are you faced with when trying to write a moving story that spans just 10 to 20 pages? Because I got to tell you, a couple of your stories, you kind of want to know, what, is there a part two? <laughs> Can we go? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so, uh, I mean, Talk about the challenging to be able to do that. I mean, because you make you're trying to make people feel for the characters in a very short amount of space. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that that you want to know what happens next. That's that's good. That means that you're interested in the story. So I'm really happy. It, you know, it's challenging to try and to write a short story. To I try to enter the heart and the mind of the characters. So the characters aren't me, but I have to understand how they feel and why they feel the emotions they feel. So in that sense, writing fiction is a little like acting. I have to put myself in the shoes of a character. So there are challenges in writing a short story and trying to make the character's emotions come alive. I have to put the depth of character in only 10 or 20 pages. I have to include plot and only 10 or 20 pages, which is really a challenge. And I often have created a whole world for the characters, but I can't put that whole world in. And I can't put all the situations in the story that I have to the characters because stories have to be very precise and focused. So these are all challenges of writing a short story. And you do an awesome job of it. Cause like I said, you know, it's like, you know, you feel like, okay, the next chapter is going to, no, we got a new one coming. So it's, uh, and it's, it's cool. So, and just, I mean, you can you quickly help the reader identify with the characters or, or want to know more. And I, I love that. The, uh, you know, you create amazing imagery that can only take the reader back to those times or places that if only something else was said or done, the world might be different. I mean, I'm, you know, I, you, you can't, get older and not have, uh, or whatever is a correct way of saying that you can't, you can't live life and not, uh, have, uh, some stories about, you know, what if, what could have that type of thing. I mean, uh, I'm a child of divorced parents who, 
they got divorced when I was eight years old and I got to experience all kinds of things and, until upon their death that, uh, you know, the one didn't want anything to do with the other one. The other one wanted nothing but to have the one back. And, you know, it was like, and so you experience all that. And then, you know, your own, my own experiences where, you know, as you're learning, as you're dating people and, and, uh, out there finding things and so forth and so on like that. So, I mean, it's, it's just, <laughs> I mean, as I'm reading your pages, I mean, you just start thinking about all those types of things. Uh, what helps you create in this manner? I mean, what is it that just helps you write and connect that way? I, you know, again, I try to step into the, you know, I'm very happy that you could relate to it because, you know, that's my goal is to create a character that will be alive. Um, I try to, again, step in the hearts and minds of the characters and I try to access what, what they're like. So for example, in Artifacts and Other Stories, there's a story called Woman Wanted for Travel, No Romance. And it's about a 79 year old widower um, whose wife, of course, has died and he's been grieving and he begins a relationship with a 70-year-old widow. And at first he doesn't want any romance, but then the relationship does evolve into romance. I'm not a 79-year-old man, so so I can't really write of my own experience, but I observe people around me and I try to imagine um, what it's like to be that man. And of course, I'm a woman, so I don't really know what it's like to be a man. So I had to imagine many things for it. And I tried to put the emotion into the story. Part of it also is observation and just, you know, life experience, talking to different people and getting a sense of what people are like and then accessing that when I write. Well, it's powerful because it's there. You make it happen. And it's like uh, you just because it's part of, you know, the world, the worlds that we go through, you know, it just, the you know, it's like going back to that statement by Anne, um, where she talked about, uh, um, you know, the idea that, uh, you know, you're going to at some point feel hurt, but there's always the possibility that it's going to go away. (laughs) It's true. And that particular story really is about being hurt, but going on at a very late stage of life. There's another story in the book called A Feather Pillow that is about a a woman who's a teacher who's uh, caring for her mother who has dementia. And, you know, I'm grateful that so far I haven't had to care for anyone who's had dementia, but I had to imagine that. I had to imagine what it was like to be a daughter with a mother who was so ill and compromised. And again, it was from talking to people, observing and really imagining what it would be like. That, that's incredible. So it's good stuff. I mean, it, so Rana, one of my favorite lines appears in the story called Hurricane, and it goes like this. Alice wished she were made of stone, but she knows she's not. She turns from the river. She imagines Mara and Douglas waiting for her, and she begins her journey home. You know, whether the stories are similar or not, I can only imagine that there are many who have wished that they were made of stone. I mean, can you talk about writing to engage the reader's heart? Yes, thank you. I'm glad that you like that line um, very much. Um, In that case, I really like the image of stone because it implies being sturdy, rooted, unflappable. You can bear the weight of whatever is happening in life. Um, And I just like that image. We all want to be like that. We all wish we could cope with and bear whatever comes our way. And sometimes we do better at it than others. So in terms of accessing the emotion, I have to feel the emotion. I'm not the character, so I'm really not Alice. Alice has some discontent with her husband at this point, 
and she is really deciding what she wants to do about the marriage. It's it's kind of a metaphor for that. That that's not me, but I have to step into her heart and mind and try and imagine what she felt like at that moment. So writing fiction is a little bit like acting. And sometimes I'll read a line aloud. Sometimes I read dialogue aloud to make sure that it sounds authentic and accurate. I think the key, though, is to feel the feelings myself. When I'm writing, I have to feel what the character's feeling in order to put it on the page. If I don't feel it, then it doesn't come across as authentic. That's excellent. Well, that's it's so it's such a powerful ending to that story, and uh, um, and you can, I mean, it's the idea of being a stone. I mean, it's you see it all the time, whether it's you're dealing with death or you're dealing with you still have feelings for this person, or it, and it's you just wish you could you know block it out. I mean, I've, I, I've had yeah, I, yes, I wanted to add something about that in terms of writing a story and feeling the feelings. Um, There is a story in my book called Woman Wanted for Travel, No Romance, which is about a 79-year-old widower who meets a a 70-year-old widow, and he's not interested in romance, but they eventually begin a relationship. I wrote this story from his point of view, and I'm not a man, and I'm not a widower, so I really had to stretch myself to understand what he would feel and experience. And the way I was able to do that was just by observing life and, you know, talking to people and understanding people and just imagining how I would feel if I were in his shoes. Well, you do a really good job of it because it uh, is very heartfelt. Uh, You know, another favorite scene that I have is from the store Double Helix. Then I fling the bag over the guardrail. Thomas's sins are not mine, but I'm casting away my sins too. Fury, envy, disappointment, regret, blame, need, sorrow. The bag lands with a splash, sinks into the muddy gray water, and disappears like a sack of rubbish. You know, I can only imagine that many people have experienced the desire to throw away what's holding them back or from letting them move forward. Any thoughts about this when it comes to this this scene and this story? Yeah, thank you for reading that, and I'm really glad that you liked that scene. Uh, I, in this story... The uh, character is is feels like she's held back by her ex-husband. He's he's really difficult and he's actually sent her a book that he wrote about his life and his work. And it doesn't include her, even though they've had a long marriage. And she just wants to get rid of things that have to do with him and get rid of the feelings, the hold that he has on her. So when I was writing the story, I wanted her to do something proactive. I didn't want her just to think you know, he's holding me back. I'm not going to let him hold me back anymore. I wanted her to do something active. So that's why I have her put this book and other things that belong to him in a bag and she throws it into the river. And I felt that by, by doing this, taking this action, that she would be freed from what was holding her back. And I think we all have things in our lives that hold us back and we have to figure out one way or another to remove them from our life. And sometimes if there's a ritual, she just made up her own ritual of throwing it into the river. And my thought is that after doing this, she'll feel freed. She won't have his items in her apartment and she's taken a step. She's made a a decision and I think it'll serve her well. Well, it's, it's awesome. And I think, I think you're right. I think it will help this character (laughs) move on, especially because I think she comes to grips with the fact that this is really 
terrible what he, you know, he's excluded, he's written a story, excluded her from it, but he includes things that they were part of together. And it's like, yeah. And and maybe sometimes we all have to do that. We have to come to grips with what's real, what, with the reality of another person or reality of a situation that's holding us back. And when we come to grips with it, we can let go of it. So powerful right there. So powerful. You know, in, in artifacts and other stories, most of your stories center around women and a time in their life. Is this on purpose that your main characters are women who are dealing with a situation? I mean, do you have a message that you're trying to send? When I was choosing the stories for the collection for artifacts and other stories, I looked at my inventory of stories and I chose stories that fit together thematically. And those that fit together were stories that featured women protagonists. So most of the stories have women as the main character. I did include one story about a man, the woman wanted for travel story, just for some variety. And I'm interested in um, women at different stages of life, how they make their choices, what aging is like for them, how women continue to grow emotionally, and what women are like in middle age and older and what kind of limitations they have for their lives and what kind of possibilities. Um, In the book, no matter if you're uh, 80 or 30 and you're a woman, you still feel desire, you still want love and connection, you may even still be looking for love. So it's interested in how women navigate um, love at different stages of life. Just because you're older, it doesn't mean that, that that part of your life is cut off and and over. And I wanted to also explore the challenges that older women face as, as well. I wanted them to live full lives, but also be dealing with aging and loss. And many, many uh, books are written about younger characters. I was really interested in writing a book that dealt with middle-aged and older characters and their concerns and the ways that they can really develop as life goes on. That is awesome. And just a note, you've, um, it's really, I mean, <laughs> obviously I'm a man reading about uh, women and their situations, but at the same time, it's, uh, it's very powerful in the thoughts that, uh, you know, we deal with and whatever the things going on and whatever the time is and, you know, in our lives. And as we get older, you're right. You know, so many writers, they write about, you know, they're in their twenties or thirties or something like this that they're writing about. And it's like, okay yeah maybe that was in my past or something like that but uh so it's cool that you've picked up on that and i and i love the the concept of the the gentleman not looking for a romance but trying to find a com- some companionship somehow and then um and then it becoming more so it's a it's a kind of a neat thing because that is something that depending on where our lives go and what happens any number of things happen to us over time and so right and and we don't we can't really anticipate what's going to happen to us over time that's why we we really have when you're young you have no idea how you'll feel when you're older or what you'll have to cope with when you're older and i think you know older people have have full lives it's with such a youth-oriented culture so i think it's important to um to look at older people and one thing i wanted to mention too is some of the characters and artifacts and other stories are teachers um, that's that's their profession. And I, I wanted to look at teachers and I wanted to give them full lives. So teachers shape young lives and they take care of young lives. But I also wanted these characters to be able to shape themselves and to shape their own lives so that they have both a professional life and a personal life. And they can be terrific at their prof- at their professional life, but maybe they have a number of things they have to take care of in their personal life. 
That's awesome because, you know, it's funny because kids and I'm pretty sure parents, but, you know, kids especially, a lot of times think the teacher just kind of goes, you know, they leave the building, but the teachers don't. You know, they kind of like go in the closet, yeah. recharge their batteries, <laughs> and come out in the morning or something. And, and uh, you know, you tapped into the, the thought that there is a, there, there should be a whole another life going on besides just with the classroom. So uh, good stuff. I, you know, uh, Ron, we're coming to the, to the close here in just a second. Uh, if someone wanted to connect with you or learn more, where would you send them? Oh, thank you for asking that. I'd send them to my website, which is ronaweinberg.com, R-O-N-N-A-W-I-N-E-B-E-R-G.com. I'm also on Twitter and LinkedIn. There's information on my website about artifacts and other stories, as well as my other books. And I've also written blogs for Psychology Today, so that can be accessed on the Psychology Today website and also on my website. And the website tells you where you can buy the book and, and gives a description of the book as well. Awesome. And I'll have all that information in my show notes, so it's easy for someone to click and go and uh, take a look at that. So good stuff. Uh, I got two last questions for you, Rana, and uh, the first one goes like this. How do you keep going when so much is going on that you may want to quit? Uh, yeah, there's a lot going on always at every stage of life. I think that I made a commitment to be a writer. And is that what you mean about how I go on writing or just in general? You can interpret it however you want to. Okay. Um, well, in terms of going on in life, I think there's, we don't have a choice. You know, I, we all, we all face different things and we have to handle them in the best way that we can. And I, in terms of writing, I, I try and fit it into whatever's happening to my life. I, I made a commitment. I decided I wanted to be a writer and I, I try to write every day, even if it's only for an hour, even if I can only do a little bit of writing. Um, about 12 years ago, my mom was ill and in the hospital and I was working on a novel at the time. And I used to sit in her room and when she was sleeping, I would work on the manuscript of the novel. And it was actually very grounding for me. It allowed me to, you know, do something that was creative. I was still with her. I would never do it when she was awake, only when she was sleeping. And um, so I was able to, I was able to fit it in. And it also was a very calming thing to fit in. Uh, so that's how I'm able to do both. Sometimes it's not easy to go on with what's happening in your life, but, but we all have to do that. Very much so. Thank you. Uh, last question. Uh, do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? Well, I have two. One is the woman, Kathleen Spivak, who was at the conference who suggested I take classes in fiction at the University of Denver. I would thank her so much for for sending me on this path. I would have never known to do it if she hadn't suggested it. And the other is David Malofsky. He's a uh, fiction writer. And I took his classes at the University of Denver. I've been in writing groups with him and I've studied with him. And he's helped me bring my writing to a different level and to access deep feelings. And really he's taught me what about what a writer's life is. So I would say thank you. I would thank him for helping me become a writer and for teaching me what it means to become a writer and how to stay loyal to that commitment. Excellent. Love it. Uh, Rana, Artifacts and Other Stories is an amazing collection of events surrounding people who could be your next door neighbors. I mean, you have an awesome talent for capturing real life. You make the heart feel the past pains and the longings for what could have been. Thanks so much for talking with me. I'm wishing you the best in all you do. Thank you, Stephen. This was terrific. I really enjoyed our talk. 
Hey, you have been listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast to help you help kids achieve their dreams. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the podcast network based in Canada called Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. The opinions expressed on Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Hey, thanks for listening. It would be awesome if you visited my website at stephenmaletto.com and connected with me, left a review, and listened to more episodes. And by the way, you could also share it with your friends, with your family, and uh, your colleagues. Thanks so much. You're awesome.